everybody i'm here with tim freak and tim if you don't know tim is um is a teacher a scholar an author of some 35 books deep books you're one of these guys that has when i read your bio it looks like you've lived four lives already <laughs> um he's 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 been awarded as being the 50th most spiritually influential person in the world according to watkins magazine which on one hand sounds a little bit like getting an oscar and it's a little bit of an eye roll but what i wanted to say it says to me is that the way that you speak about these matters and the way that you engage with people about these matters is resonating and i just imagine that feels really really good you know to know that your teaching and your orientation is touching people in that way so um and you've been doing some very interesting work about the borders between self and unity and community. And it's very interesting to see on deep retreats where people are going into some deep spaces together. So thank you for accepting the invitation. And I wanted to start by just framing the summit that we're in here, this deep flow summit a little bit. And you know, there's all these ways that people experience flow. It's a loose term. It's a bit mushy, right? But there's the kind of classic flow states that an, an extreme athlete experiences when they're on the side of the mountain and their life is in danger and their self, you know, disappears because it's any interference from ego might interfere with, you know, their life and death tactics. So there's that kind of a temporary flow state. There's the flow of self-inquiry when people, whether it's in meditation or another type of practice, let their, you know, let something inside them emerge and give them guidance and give them insight, something they're clearly not controlling, but is flowing into them, if you will. There's the creative process, right? Now, there are nuances between these, but the creative process, which could be said to be everything, but the creative process is when you just allow yourself to be taken by something and so on. So we're here in this summit exploring those perspectives, many others. And uh, for starters, I wanted to just ask you just a big open question, how you frame flow. And then we're going to kind of get into some of the ways that you think about this. And then we'll leave people with some what you can do about it. Uh, well, firstly, it's very important to me. Um, my work is primarily uh, these days doing philosophy. And that's flow. I mean, when it happens, I mean, if I'm not in, if I'm not in that flow, um, it's really hard. So a lot of time is spent cultivating a flow state, a bit like an athlete would, very much like that. You know, if you follow a sport, I, I watch football in the UK, soccer, you call it the, the, and you, you see, you know, an athlete can be in it one day and not in it the next or in it for six months and then not. And you can see, and, and as a, as somebody who's trying to do the same thing, but with ideas, um, in a deep way, I'm constantly trying to cultivate it. But the way I've come to think about it has radically changed, Jeff, through that process, through the process of flow. Um, and I'm happy to give you an idea of how I see the flow, if, if that's feels right. Yes, I'd love to hear that. Yes. So, so the first thing I want to do is I want to just say that my ideas around consciousness have changed. So it seems to me that what consciousness is or what it is to be conscious is to pay attention and process something in, you could call it high definition. So I see that right now, for instance, I'm taking in a huge amount of information 
in my senses, but also in the psyche. And I'm choosing to process a tiny, tiny amount of it, which is you on my screen and what I'm saying. And that is vivid and in high definition. And then everything else is kind of, it's not conscious. So I wasn't conscious of my left foot. I doubt you were, but now I've said left foot. Everyone listening to that is probably now conscious of their left foot because their attention's gone there. So it seems to me, and this is an an idea you'll find in people like Carl Jung and so forth, that, that it's what we pay attention to. Now, one of the things which we can do, which has made us so powerful, is we can imagine and we can reflect on what we're doing so that uh, I can stop and think about what I'm going to say to you. I'm not doing that, actually. I'm just saying it. And the reason I'm just saying it is that this is flowing right now. But if I wanted to, I could stop and reflect, oh, is that a good idea to say that to Jeff? Or Jeff is asking me a question I may need. Or the whole time, you know, that ability to choose is to imagine different possibilities and act on them. That is our, I want to, you know, it's like a superpower, which allows us, but we pay a high price because it takes energy and it takes time. So there's a combination of the immediacy of doing and then the, the stepping back and reflecting. And I think they're both really important. But what you see, say with an athlete, is that they are spending a huge amount of time in training, which is a lot about reflection. Do it slightly differently. Can you see that didn't work? Do it like this, do it like this, or like a musician. I'm a musician, or I was really. And a lot of time doing that. But then when you play, you want to flow. But how well you will flow is going to be also governed by how well you've reflected previously. So when I get to share ideas like I'm doing now, I hope to flow because I've thought about these ideas over and over and over and try to, to iron out all the problems so I can just flow with them. So then what you get then is, ah, so flow is actually something that's happening all the time. We just don't notice it. I flow when I drive a car on a very low level. It's quite easy for me. I can have a conversation, listen to music and have a, you know, eat a sandwich at the same time. I couldn't when I learned it. I had to focus. Now I don't. So my, the reason I'm saying this is I think for me what's happened is I now think about it. I now think about everything as one process of evolution in which, you know, which is, it seems like it's been going on for 14 billion years, which is quite impressive. And it's got us from hydrogen to you and me having a conversation. And that process has taken us through matter to life to psyche. And here we are talking. And then the psyche itself is also entering more and more emergent states. So for me, it's like, ah, I can flow on these low emergent states. I can walk without thinking about it. I can drive pretty much. But if I want to enter these, if I want to flow on a very highly emergent state, I need to learn how to do that. So if I want to be able to think philosophical thoughts at a very high level of flow, then I have to find how to do that. Or if I want to guide people, or if I want to make music on that level, it's not just going to happen because some inside me, there's an innate ability to make music. There is sort of, but it's going to take me to reflect and to, to grow and evolve. And then I can. And then when you hit those emergent states of flow, there's no wasted energy on reflection. So it just happens and it's exquisite and very creative. Yeah, well put. So clearly 
you had to practice a lot before you could pick up your guitar. Was it a guitar? Uh, it, eventually, it was also in other instruments too, but guitar. Let, let, yeah, yes. The, uh, so, you know, clearly you have to practice. If I get into a flow state, I cannot play the saxophone. I've never right. picked one up, right? So right. that clearly that kind of reflection has to happen. And yeah. clearly the kind of reflection that you've done, for example, about all of these topics that we'll discuss has prepared you to get into a flow state to let that come. You couldn't just start from scratch and have this conversation. But the same mechanism that we reflect with, that same one that uses our energy and 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 filters our experience and you know where we put our attention and so on, that same mechanism kind of keeps people out of flow. It seems to me in a certain way when they're when they get too caught up in it. So in other words, if a person gets up on stage and they even know their material, but they get too self-conscious and too worried about how they'll appear, they're not going to kind of flow, even though yeah. they have the material because they can't shake free from that kind of grab onto the mind. Yeah, because they're paying attention to the wrong thing. Ah, so this so 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 it's it's like it's like in meditation where the mind gets a very bad rep. You know, I've done I've spent two whole years just doing nothing much but meditating, and you know the mind gets oh you so actually what's all the problem is is you've chosen to pay attention to one thing and you keep paying attention to the other thing. So you so thoughts are great, but or they can be they're, they're neither one thing or the other. They can be great, they can be worries, they can be repetitive, they can be really d negative. Because because thinking is essentially imagining talking, but just to yourself. So just like you can have a conversation with somebody, it can be wonderful or it can be horrible. The same with yourself. So where you then choose to put your attention. So when you play your sport, you get you know when you when you like to do stand up philosophy, which is very much like stand up comedy, and you have to be right there. And what does that mean? It means you're paying attention to the most important thing, which is what you're going to say and the people you're saying it to and if you're right there with them you're going to be at your best if you're distracted into am i any good or any other thing which you're not there now that's not because thinking's bad it's just because not now <laughs> now is the time to and to just engage and let the magic happen and the magic happens in that relationship it seems to me between you you speaking and the person listening you know, you're talking about um, this shift as a shift of attention and where we choose to put our attention. So let's say that person is on stage and they're about to start speaking and they know they're, they've reflected and they know their topic very well, but they're a little bit, you know, wound up about their, how they appear. Now they're in that circumstance. Are you suggesting that they can take their attention and choose to put it elsewhere other than like can they do you see people can just take their attention out of that kind of nervous self-consideration and so on that's exactly what a good comic learns to do or a good philosopher you know when i present um i want to be absolutely not you know i i want to reflect if someone asks me a question so i can go i don't know the answer or i can say for instance but while i'm presenting i just want to find that flow which means I'm in the most emergent overall state my psyche can get into and the most awake I can be to put it in a different, more traditional language. And I'm allowing the greatest wisdom I've got to hand to communicate with these particular people or this particular person. 
Um, and that's it. The more I can do that, the better it is. Although it occurs to me, I want to introduce a different idea. Um, and I may, I don't want to make this premature because obviously we, there's so much more to say about that, but I also, it's, it seems important to me from my experience, there's another type of flow, which I, you could call magical flow where it's not just like Tim as a system is functioning at his best or is able to access deeper, um, the most emergent aspect of himself, but actually there's a flow in the relationship with life such that the whole conversation between me and what's happening to me is in flow. And people have had that, those, you know, you have asynchronicity and it's like, oh, but then you have another one and another one and another one and another one. And suddenly it's like, oh, what is happening now? We're in a whole magical conversation between can be between you and another person, but it can also be between you and events that happen. Um, and one of the things which, again, which fascinates me about sport is you can easily see a player who's in the flow that day and everything, but then you also see they're in the luck, which is why they're so superstitious, why they all have their little superstition, because there's just one day where everything works for them. The ball just lands at their feet or they just knock it in the net. It's like they can't just, whatever they do, it's just going to work. And not because they're just playing well, but just because everything is working in their direction. And that's another really interesting mystery about flow. That's very, that's very interesting, especially coming from a philosopher. The, um, you know, because that is one that has not been well packaged in the culture, right? That that can that can easily appear to be, you know, kind of woo-woo thinking. And yeah. What do we, how do we think this universe works anyway? And why do we think the universe is paying attention to our feet and all of that? How, how, one how, of the things I'm trying to do, Jeff, very much with with philosophy, the the part of me that works on ideas, is to go look. We need, I need, a rational post-scientific, meaning it includes science within it, way of understanding how the universe can be like that, because I have no doubt that it is. So the question is, how? <laughs> how can the universe be such that those flows of magic happen? Um, and, and I don't know about you, but I, I mean, most of the people I know have experienced them. It's not, it's not like it doesn't happen. It happens a lot. Yes, strange things happen, do they? <laughs> they no. On a regular basis. And, and you can also, as you enter these more emergent states of the psyche or soul, then life becomes more like that. It's kind of, it takes on a more dreamlike quality. I want to kind of extend that a little bit further, and maybe we'll have some loose ends to circle back to, but yeah. I want to extend that a little bit further into the, into the difference between, say, being a trained athlete or a trained artist and having a skill or a trained philosopher and having done the reflection and then being able to get into a flow that day and let it rip without interference. There's that experience. But then there's the experience that in general, there seem to be qualities that humans can tap into, deeper qualities, compassion, love, joy, wisdom. I mean, I know so many people who they, they experience regularly that they're their wisest as a surprise to them, there's you probably experience it too that you're teaching <laughs> the away and you're like, 
man, I wish I was that smart, right? That's a great, that's a, that's a perfect insight. And it just kind of, so it seems like in addition to the preparation and reflection, it seems like there are these unconditioned qualities that human beings have the potential to tap into when we can kind of, you know, not grab onto this. Maybe you could think of it in terms of attention when we put our attention there, but we have to have an orientation of allowing it to emerge as opposed to making it happen, right? Something like that. I certainly think, I certainly, uh, one of the big changes for me, Jeff, has been that I've adopted and I'm exploring a radical evolutionary philosophy in which everything is that the, the, that all, anything which has any quality at all, any form whatsoever, is one process of formless being, if you will, take being informed with information and forming different information systems, which on this level of amazement is you and me. And so for me, I've dumped the idea that there's some perfect Tim essence, which has all these qualities already. I just need to find it. It feels the opposite. It feels like, no, it's not there. And I forgot it. It's actually emerging. It's evolving. It's growing like everything else. And that what I'm tapping into at those times is the most emergent levels that Tim can get access to. And it surprises me. And when I touch those levels, it feels more everything, more real, more wise, more compassionate. And also I, because, because if I look at who in my identity, it look, it seems that I'm not on any level, not just on the emergent levels on every single level that I exist. I am not Tim. I am Tim in relationship with the universe because there's never a time when I'm not. It's like the, I, Tim doesn't exist on his own. I, and so it looks, and as I am also express, arising from the universe, I could say I am the universe in relationship to itself as Tim, and you are the relationship of the universe to itself as Jeff. And so that on every level, there's a there's a universal aspect to our identity as well. And on the psyche, I think we tap into collective states where you can discover um, these deep wisdom that you didn't know you had. And in some way, you might not have had it before. You might just have found it for the first time and touched into something which uh, had been left there for you to discover. The, um, the perspective of everything being one fill in the blank, formless entity uh, or, you know, being, it's hard to finish that sentence, um, you know, e emerging, evolving, not only through us, but as us. As us, as is the key. That's the yeah. key word, as us, as everything. So, so, right. So right now, this is the universe chatting to itself through Zoom across the Atlantic Ocean, and uh, and it is miraculous. It's, it's just unbelievable. It really is. Yeah. And... Um, all right, so it's too tempting at this moment. I, I, I have to circle back to a note I made earlier. But you were talking about paying attention. I, I mean, that the flip side of that is we have filters. Why don't I? Why aren't I aware of my left foot now? It's just yeah. for whatever reason the way this works. People could frame it in terms of survival or functioning or whatever. But the way that this works, I don't need to pay attention to my left foot. It goes away. But the why that's interesting or most interesting is because the awareness of what we were just talking about goes away and yeah. this any given moment is as miraculous as any moment could possibly be 
And yet our awareness just gets, you know, I use the word filtered, but we filter out almost all of our possible perception just to deal with this, not as a conscious choice, but as an unconscious background activity that people don't see as happening. Yeah. And you, and that's a good thing, Jeff. I think it is a good thing. And I think it, I mean, I think it's arisen, as you said, it's arisen with the evolution of life because when you get, as the senses arose, um, organic systems were taking in so much information, enormous as we are right now, enormous amount of information, most of which doesn't matter. And a tiny, tiny bit of magic could be life or death. So you, that ability to focus as what's given us this incredible HD experience we're having. Um, so then it becomes like, ah, so for me, it feels like I don't, I, it's not about being more conscious, which was a phrase I used to use when I was younger. It's being back conscious of more that I have the ability to shift my attention to these more emergent states, um, when I choose to more often so that I can pay attention to the minutiae of life, which I need to, otherwise I'll be in trouble, but I don't become, but I don't lose access to these other states when my attention moves, just as I, you know, I'm not, wasn't paying attention to my left foot, but I didn't lose access to it. As soon as I moved my attention, there it was. And that we have to cultivate, or I felt like I needed to cultivate these more emergent states of awakening to the point where I could find them when I place my attention on them. Yes. That is, and so, and, and with the flow states the same. Now, I think it, there's, they are still um, so relative, they are still tricky. You know, if I could turn it on every day, it'd be great. Um, but I think understanding it in an evolutionary picture really helps me because it doesn't feel like, oh, I failed again, or I'm getting, to, you know, I'm looking at this wrong thing, or it's like, no. I am in the process of evolving. I'm an evolving psyche or soul. And I am learning how to place my attention on what are very emergent states. And because they're not familiar, that's tricky. But as I do it, it becomes easier. And, and it's, that's definitely true. You know, I can pay attention. I can, my, my experiences in meditation, for example, are completely beyond what I would have hoped for when I was 20 and was 15 and I started. The, um, you know, you talk about paying attention and people have an option of paying attention to their left foot or to the wonders of the universe or to the business at hand. And that it's a good thing as we, you know, it enables us to have this universe, this world here on earth that we have with our reasonable functioning. And, um, but you know, there's this other frame which is that a kind of self sense gets formed in thought that takes on a life beyond what it really is and that it becomes an obstacle and that people need to have enough clarity about the nature of how that works to be able to turn their attention elsewhere, right? To be like, they have to see that the way that they get absorbed in thought and the way that they get that 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 their perception narrows to this little place in order to let other capacities emerge and flow more spontaneously. So I I don't want to just jam different language systems. No, no, I I hear you. It's a very common idea. I don't like it. Tell, tell me why. I'm curious. Uh, I don't like it because I think it it does more harm than good. 
um, and it sets up a kind of battle inside yourself which is unnecessary and that there's something bad in you which is trying to stop you. I can remember being taught with meditation, like there were, I had my ego who really didn't want me to meditate because yeah. it was so frightened it would die and be destroyed because that was the aim. And it was like, whoa, and for years I struggled with that. And, and, and I don't think any of that's true. I think what's happening is much more organic, if you like, or evolutionary, that Tim's an evolving thing, the soul, let's say, and part of that is there are things that limit me and there I'm habitual and that's good and bad. And there's some habits which form the, the, the foundation from which I can uh, go to more emergent states. And there's some which keep pulling me back. So what I would say is not, Oh, there's something inside you. To me, it's like, look, have a look at who you are. That's how it feels to me. And if you discover that you are actually one with everything in relationship with everything and yet you are this particular expression that allows you to ch so to, to change your self-orientation so that you're not just focused on yourself and this universal love or universal benevolence starts to arise from that state so if you tune into those these simple realizations your response changes the the ideas that will come up in you will change by and large old stuff will happen again but as you become more awake you notice it oh it's not like there's a it's like no that that way of thinking doesn't serve me does it i don't i want to shift that and then by paying it by reflecting actually by stopping see, this is the bit where it takes a lot of energy and it, and you you kind of step back don't you and look at yourself and then you can make changes because you're watching it. It's not just happening. You're just, and that's, so it's almost like you stop the flow because it's a negative flow now. So by stopping the negative flow, you can sh change it into a positive flow. That seems a better way to deal with it to me than to have the whole sort of ego idea. Yes, the, the ego idea is kind of an ego-based idea, right? They, and it sets up conflict where people think- It's, and it's they kind of innocent. You know, conversations yeah. with inner pep talks and debates and one yeah. part's trying to overpower the other part. And you, you know, you work it out for a day and then the other one comes back. And so that whole world is not anything to aspire to, you know, to celebrate. Although I share your perspective that it's not a mistake. It's not a, it's not some horrible thing that we need to go to war with because that would just be more of that part of our mind going to war with itself, right? But and, and but so what I think I hear you saying is that we have um, we have uh, an opportunity to just kind of by taking on this larger perspective of this larger evolutionary perspective, seeing ourselves as you know as the whole um, in the way that we spoke earlier as an emergence of that, including the mind. That that orientation sets us in a in a in a frame of being that allows us to flow more freely because we're just naturally kind of open to more influences or something beautiful like that. yeah beautifully put i mean there's something i mean uh, there is something mind-blowing about the idea that literally the universe was mainly just hydrogen and now it's you and me having a conversation like this what do you do? What do you do with a kind of idea like that? You know, it's like, okay, so if you can get that, and that is our modern scientific explanation, and it's not based on nothing, it's based on an extraordinary amount of evidence. 
then, and you see yourself now as an intrinsic part of that, in fact, not only a part of it, but as an example of the leading edge of that 14 billion years, because there's no doubt that the latest thing to arrive is psyche or soul. This non-material experience we're having, where we're, where we're sharing meaning right now, it opens up like, wow, well, where's this going to go? So, and then when you see yourself in an evolutionary picture, you go, well, of course, there's going to be things in me like there is in my body. There's going to be things which I've developed at different levels, which can be beneficial or not. And that I need to engage with it in a creative way. And when you do that, then it, then it feels like, okay, well, what's the new thing that's arising? What's the most emergent thing? This is the idea, my idea of what I call a univigil, that the, the something, you know, I always want, I want to talk about history a lot to people because I feel like we don't, when we don't know our history, we don't know how far we've come, not just like the 14 billion years, but the human history. And one of the big things that's happened over the last 400 years, let's say, is the emergence of a modern individual, which just wasn't there before in the same way. We've, we've moved out of being a kind of a collective species into being more and more and more and more individual. And it's been fantastic, I think, but there's a dark side and which lots of people are aware of. So I'm going to that, but the, what, what, what I'm left with is well, where are we going to go next? Cause it sure isn't going to stay like this because it keeps moving. So where is the next jump? And my guess is that these emergent states, which gets called spiritual awakening, these, this recognition of oneness with the universe will be the next common jump. Uh, and which is what I mean by univigil, an individual conscious, conscious of that universal benevolence I mentioned, conscious of the universal being of everything, the oneness of being, conscious of these higher levels. So you, the, the individual becomes a univigil. And one of the things which I think accompanies that is a higher level of flow. So like I said, I can flow on low levels. I, I just don't even notice it. It's so easy for me. I want to flow on the high levels because when I do that, I really notice and that's fantastic. And so it's about, and as we do that, maybe we can cultivate all of us being able to flow on those levels, which I hope will open up more levels that we can't even dream of. Yes. The, you know, the, 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 the universe emerges, it arises as Tim and Jeff. We each have our own personal sense of things. And if we kind of, contract a little bit. I can be very Jeff and you can be very Tim. But if we relax a little bit and we remember that that we are alive as the universe and things things open up more, then I then you're talking about this emergent sense of not being quite as individual, um, but being more part of the same whatever. Yeah, ahead, although al although although I think there's a kind of paradox there in my experience, Jeff, because in some ways I feel even more individual. And yet, at the same time, there's a universal element to my identity and something which is still individuating, where I'm the particularness of this relationship, which is me. I am a relationship. That's the way it looks to me. I am this relationship and I'm working out, I'm the universe working out this relationship and you're the universe working out that relationship. And what we're what we have mainly to do it with is our ideas, hence this sort of conversation where we'll share ideas and hopefully both walk away from it richer for the exchange the um so where 
you know, these conversations are too short always, and we're we're <laughs> we're sort of we're sort of winding up. But the um, I wanted to just get to something that you just said that kind of went over my head a little bit. But mm. you were talking about why flow increases in this perception of individualism. Yeah. Can you say something else about that, and that that might lead? Yeah, to I think I think the key, they can move forward. Yeah. The key thing I think I want to get across in this conversation, and and it's been lovely actually, Jeff, because I feel like I'm clarifying it myself as I talk to you, which is always my favorite thing. Going, oh yeah, this. So you know, I don't feel I've been that prepared. But what I'm trying to say is, look, as human beings evolve, just or just think about growing up, you learn to flow. On new levels so you know you can't walk and then you can and you flow with such ease you don't even think about it you can run you can catch you can do it. it's all of that function becomes some you you establish it not always sometimes you fall but generally you don't and you and your expectation then moves to another level of emergence can i function on this level of intellectual emergence at school say or whatever and that as you go up these levels the lower levels you don't even notice them anymore and what we tend to call flow in that kind of excited way is the really emergent levels that we're not established on. So that when we hit them, we go, oh, whoa, or the really emergent relationship whereby life is, is emergent too. Life is magical, all of that. And you hit those, what was that? And then they're so special. You tell people about them. Oh, I had one when I was 25 or, you know, people come to my retreats and they've captured all these events where it happened. So then you're like, okay, I'm, I'm learning to flow on this new level. So the individual is somebody who is learning how to live on this new level. So that's why the flow they experience is a more emergent level of flow, both the magical flow and the, um, let's call, let's say the um, competence flow, if you like, you know, what you can do, because you're touching into the most emergent level of the evolving universe which is quite extraordinary. And some of these emerging qualities that, that I, I tried to force in the conversation earlier, like compassion and love and things which I didn't figure out, and they seem to come from nowhere. Can I, can, I can I share an enormous idea? Have I got time? Yes, we're going we're gonna to stretch it. It's worth it. Okay. So, yeah. Okay, so this is going to just drop for our listeners, but hopefully they've got enough idea about how I'm seeing things. I'll just say it bluntly and see how it lands. The big, one of the big changes for me is I, since I've been a little boy, my awakenings have been an experience of connecting with something greater than me. Traditionally, you call that God. And God is seen to be at the beginning of things, the creator, the, the great whatever that's doing it all. But as I got older, especially in you know, my later life, none of that made any sense for all sorts of philosophical reasons. For instance, why is there so much suffering in the world? Classic one, the existence of evil. Why is evolution so chaotic? Five complete extinctions. You know, it's like, it doesn't seem to be very wise. Why must we have those little things that eat babies' brains from the inside? That just seems unnecessary. You know, so this idea of somebody running the show or creating it makes no sense. But... I experience this greater than me. I experience this incredible wisdom and compassion, which is what you're describing. And when I do, it's the most important experience I have. So what I'm exploring is the idea that if everything has come from the simplest qualities to the most emergent, that 
more emergent presence that is traditionally called God, I call it universal soul, is not at the beginning, it's what we're growing into. And that what a universal is, on, what an individual is on its, in its deepest aspect is an individual communing with universal soul, which I experience as this incredible universal benevolence, this big love. And that's why I think when we hit those very, very emergent flow states, you just feel like, wow, where did that come from? Because you're actually communing that, 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 that God is a communion of souls. It's arising as we commune, this greater thing is arising. A bit like I look at my body and I think, isn't it a miracle that it's somehow all those individual cells came together to form this communion of cells that's Tim. And in the same way that individual souls are coming together to form a communion of souls, that's a universal soul or God. Unfortunately, we have to leave it. We have to leave it there. But you know, it, it was well. It was well put, and um, you know, you said a big thing there about your not only how you see things, but how you live. And um, I very much appreciate it. So people can find out more about your work, about your writings, about your online and live courses below. They'll be able to sign up for your list and so on. And um, Wow, that was a nice tour. A tour a tour of reality. There we go. It was great, Jeff. I really enjoyed it a lot. Thank you, Tim. <laughs>